You're listening to Let's Talk Purpose Live, because who you are is important to what you do and where you're going. And now for your host, Lisa Schwartz. Good morning, everybody, and good morning to you, BP Daddy. Good morning. Looking pretty fly in that color. Well, thank you. I really like it. I just it. pulled this one out. It's been a while. Yeah, it's nice. It's always interesting because I'm like, do I want to wear colors that match the background? Do I really care? I kind of gave up on that. I did too. <laughs> I, I feel like in the beginning, I was like trying to coordinate with the the mood in here, but then I was just like, mm, I don't care. I don't care that much. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm here. Yeah, you look great. You went on vacation last week. I did. With, I went to Georgia with the kiddos. With your kids. And my mother. Good for you. Uh, did you have a good time? We did. We had a good time. It seems like we always go beach or go west, and this time I was like, let's go to the woods. Let's go to the mountains. Yeah, your pictures were great online. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like a lot of fun. I don't know if a lot of a lot of people listening know that you have three girls. Two Mm -hmm. of them are twins. Mm -hmm. Single mom of three girls. Yeah, they just turned ten on Monday. Yeah, exciting. They're getting old. Eight years. That's all you have left. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Although it seems like they've been around a long time. <laughs> yeah, they probably they have been around a long time. All right, if you're watching with us this morning, if you give us a wave, give us a hello. And while we're waiting on you to greet us this morning so we can greet you this morning, Brittany, tell us about our sponsors. All right. Innovative Construction Services. They are a Texas-owned family business providing roofing and various construction needs in the DFW area and beyond. ICS provides service with quality and integrity to each and every customer, knowing it's about so much more than business. The owners are Levi and Olivia, and they have been watching God grow this company over the years and are excited knowing the best is yet to come. So give them a call as they love the opportunity to serve you with any roofing and construction needs. And then we got the graphic with the website and phone. All right, so I'm going to read the phone number for those of you who are listening. Audio, 817-672-5272. All right, next. Next, we have Express Employment Professionals, a staffing company that does their best to bring hope to our communities. They strive hard to find people with job opportunities and will work with any company given the chance. So you can find Sonia Sutherland over there, 817-487-4900 is their office phone. Awesome, my good friend Sonia Southard. Now, speaking of Sonia Southard, Southard, Suth- I think it's Southard, Southard, Southard. I have to ask her. <laughs> I would just say Sonia Southard. Okay, she's a great lady. Uh, anyhow, she is. Um, there we go. I'm going to tag her in here. She is hosting the next. Uh, Lisa Schwartz LLC conference. Um, And so we've kind of been partnering. She has a passion to really get a lot of the messages that are in my books out to our community Mm -hmm. specifically. Oh, she just said, hey, Southard, LOL. (laughs) Um, uh, So we are doing a conference coming up Mm -hmm. September 10th and 11th. Uh, It is the Double Your Empowerment, uh, two messages in one weekend. So it is the Enforcing You and the Enforcing Purpose messages back to back and it's co-ed fun so uh guys and girls can come um so guys you are welcome you can do a vip ticket which is the vip ticket will get you a copy of every single one no the three books in the trio enforcing you enforcing purpose and enforcing prayer Mm -hmm. plus um basically refreshments and coffee and danishes and donuts and yummy stuff with a q a with brad and i on that saturday morning Okay. So super excited. Uh, I have September 10th and 11th, September 10th and 11th. So we'll put the registration link in the uh, comments. If you are watching, you can go ahead and register today. 
I think we have quite a few that have already signed up, so that's good. Um, also, I'm really excited because there's about a 45-minute, uh, what I call like kind of just a fun break in there, where I'm going to be doing we, a we, with a couple other pastors, we're going to be doing a preach-off. <laughs> So basically, we're going to let uh, the audience kind of throw out a word or maybe a topic or whatever, and then we will have a certain amount of time to just popcorn preach and do a preach-off. So I'm excited about that. It will be fun. I wanted to do something kind of fun. I wanted to include some of my pastor friends that I love working with. I know Gary Birkins is one of them. Oh, nice. Yeah, he, he'll he tear it up yeah. for sure. Uh, I have not talked to Josh Burns yet, but I'm going to probably try and swindle him in there. And I think uh, Pastor Phil Brown also will probably. Okay. So it'll probably be three or four of us where we just kind of stand, sit on the... Um, thank you, Sonia, for putting that in there, where we put in... Uh, where we sit up there at a, at a panel, panel and you throw out a word and um, one of us will pick it up and preach and <laughs> we'll rock and roll. So I'm excited about that. So today... Uh, we were going to have a, Mike Kingsley here mm-hmm. talking about ministering on media. So for those of you who are like, what happened? I thought it was supposed to be this topic. And then we changed. Uh, he had some place he had to be, so he couldn't make it here today. So we quickly changed. Um, what did we change to? Falling in love with you. Yeah. Falling in love with you. So you threw out this topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the sections in my book, To Love and To Be Loved. I'm going to throw it to you. Tell me why you wanted us to discuss this topic today. Well, I was kind of just flipping through all your books. Yeah, we were like, we got to come up <laughs> with something up with quick that we both are very familiar with. And I was flipping through, and um, it's no secret that To Love and To Be Loved is one of my favorites. Okay. It, was always my favorite up until Enforcing Purpose. Um, so I'm kind of on the fence now. <laughs> but To Love and To Be Loved was, it was definitely, I would say, life-changing for me at that time. Like, it was just um, what I needed. And so going back through here, and I was flipping through, and I was like, you know, we we, we learned how to minister to God. You know, and it's just like this ministering to self mm-hmm. and our loving ourselves mm-hmm. seems to be the hardest part of the equation like in this entire book. And I was like, this is where I Interesting. see mm-hmm. people like on, you know, I get where people are for, through social media, <laughs> you know, yes. like through flipping yes. through TikTok and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get to see where the world is and where the young people are and how they're thinking. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was just like, we need to know what self-love and self-care actually is biblically and not just what the world yeah. says it is. Yeah. And so... How do you feel like coming into this knowledge of self-love has, you know, you talked about how it like impacted your life. It changed you. But tell me a little more specifically, what are some specific transformations that you feel like took place and therefore then has changed actions, behaviors, the trajectory of your life? Well, I think um, when you come to see yourself the way God sees you, like you can't look at others and love others if you don't have a love for yourself. So mm-hmm. I think all the ways that if I'm looking at someone and I used to see everyone very critically, very judgmentally, um, I could pick apart someone very quickly and in the name of discernment. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then I could... In the name of discernment. <laughs> I love that. But then once you start looking... I hope somebody <laughs> caught that. Somebody had to catch that. As you become a little bit more self-aware... Um, it's like all those places where I'm picking people apart were the places where I was judging in myself and where I didn't like myself, where I was not Mm -hmm. reconciliated Mm -hmm. with myself and the Lord. I love it. So, um, I think as I've always considered, I was never a very loving person. I was never a very merciful person, Mm. but as I've come to love myself more, I can see other people through a much more loving lens and, um, you know, tend to 
to love people a little bit better. Yes. I think. So one of the things I talk about in this book, so let's, let's kind of jump to that. And there's lots of things we can discuss, but let's jump right to that. Cause I think you brought up a valuable point in saying like the importance of, you know, cause a lot of times as, as believers and Christians and religion has taught us that, you know, self loving yourself is selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, respecting yourself can be self. And I, I obviously I'm being kind of, but but it's given a bad rap a lot of times. And so I think it's important for us to recognize that when the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself, he, God is giving us that frame of reference. He's saying like, look, the one thing you know how to do in your natural is, is you know how to love yourself. And that becomes the frame of rever- reference in which you will love somebody else. And mm-hmm. so what you just said is so important because the way you were loving yourself was the frame of reference that you had of love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was then directly connected to how you would love others. Um, and so I don't believe it is selfish. I think it helps us love people better. Um, it helps us love people more freely with less insecurities, with less defensiveness, less offense, less anger, less bitterness. When you are confident in your own skin and you are confident in your design and you're in love with your design, um, in some regard, you get to a place where you're like, look, I have this confidence of who I am. Christ, because a lot of times our um, disregard, our dismissal, our disrespect of people around us comes back to our inability to be confident in that moment. Right. In who we mm-hmm. are. Um, and so I love that you were able to say, look, this ultimately, I see myself better. I love myself better. But it has also 100% changed the way I love others. Mm-hmm kind of takes out the the competition comparison aspect of you with everyone else. Yes. You know. Yes. The competition comparison aspect. So um, let's talk about that. Uh, In the book, I talk a lot about the, you know, the TED talk that I had watched on the art of being yourself. And it talked about all the different perceptions of the world. So I kind of take take a part and I take a look at when we're the, all the different views that we struggle with. So we struggle with, um, perception, which is who people say or think I am, what people say about me. Mm -hmm. Then we struggle with who I think I want to be or who I think I am. I call that your wishbone. Mm -hmm. Um, And then who we really are, which is your ego. Now, a lot of times we hear this word ego and we think it, it, we give it a negative connotation, but it really just means, it simply means how you view yourself. So your ego is how you view yourself. And so we struggle with all of those perceptions in this world with the world's perception, um, my own perception, and then the reality of what I'm living in. Mm-hmm. The challenge is we don't insert in there, but what about God? What does God say about all of these things, about who I am, how I'm behaving, who I could be in this moment? And so you hear me say a lot about your God design or your God possibilities in a moment. And so really, from a biblical perspective, we really want to capture what is God saying about who I am in this moment and how do I forego the opinion of the world? Mm -hmm. How do I also forego my own opinion? How do I forego my reality, like what I'm experiencing, and really say, I'm going to be who God says I am, my possibilities. I'm going to, on faith, I'm going to be the fullness of my God potential in this moment. Mm -hmm. And that really will begin to shift things in the way that you view yourself in a moment. Mm Go, yeah, no, go you're like, <laughs> no, <laughs> I was thinking because when I was reading this last night, I was like the ego and how you view yourself. And I mm-hmm. was like, how is that different than what the world says about you? I mean, isn't your ego and yourself basically 
what you've been heard and what you've been brought up in your system. Yeah. But then I kind of think of myself and uh, like we do have these distorted views of ourselves. Like mm-hmm. we think we think we're always mm-hmm. right or that we're always not right in that we're perfect. Yeah, we find ourselves, I mean, Scripture talks about that. He says, um, I care very little if I am judged by any human court. Indeed, I don't even, I don't even judge myself because when I do, I prove myself innocent. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I allow, the, I allow the Lord to judge me until the day of Christ Jesus. Okay, yeah, so all the justifying you do in your yes. head, that's proving yourself innocent. Yes, you, you know, it is our natural intention. Now, now after, it, it's our natural inclination to defend ourselves, right? right. Um, and to defend our actions and to justify our actions. What's crazy is, after we've experienced a lot of wounds, a lot of beatings mm-hmm. in life, then the opposite begins to take place. We end up taking on the perception of the world and saying, yep, I guess I must just be a loser. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the perception of what people are saying. So when we talk about the reality, so when I say who we really are, which is when I say you really are, I'm talking about your reality, like what I'm experiencing versus who God says I am despite what I'm experiencing, okay? Mm -hmm. So I I was reading this last night in the book, and I was like, I don't feel like I explained that super, super, super well, right? So I think it's not just forgoing what man says about me, what I feel about myself in the situation, but it's also forgoing what I'm actually experiencing. So I could actually be experiencing a failure, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean I am a failure. Mm. I could actually be experiencing rejection. That doesn't mean I am rejected. And the right. problem is we allow the perceptions of our reality. Your reception, your reality is speaking a message to you all the time. Mm-hmm. The world is speaking a message to you all the time. I'm speaking messages in my own head all the time. But those messages don't necessarily equal what is true. They're not always equal to what God says and what his message is. And so that's what we really want to bypass and really be able to, in a moment, capture all those different perspectives and perceptions in a moment and say, but God, mm-hmm. what does God say? Mm-hmm. So we can be in a failure and we can be experiencing rejection. This is where I'm trying like, okay, so we're, we're not rejected. We're not, but so it's basically just if we can accept it as just feedback. Correct. Failure and rejection is just feedback. Okay, this didn't work this way, but it doesn't mean that I'm this horrible failure of a person. It just means here's where I can correct and turn. Yeah. And I think, you know, in enforcing you, I talk a lot about your system and your experience becomes your core beliefs Mm -hmm. and your core beliefs in some regard begins to define who you are. And and that's where we kind of have to really be careful. How do I experience a reality without it becoming the definition and it becoming my identity? Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, we're not asking people to ignore your reality or to fake it, or live in this alter world where it's like, oh, I'm not rejected. Yeah, actually, you were rejected. Yes, actually, you legitimately did fail. That's healthy to say, look, I, I failed in this this thing. But that failure does not translate then into my identity to you are a failure. Mm-hmm. And that's where we really have to be careful to say, like, I can experience something I can look at that experience from the outside, from a God perspective and say, this is what I just experienced. This is how I'm going to grow through it. This is how it's going to groom me. This is how it's going to make me better. But that experience does not define me. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I think there's that fine line between how do I learn from an experience? How do I be honest with my experience, even in negative ex- experiences, without it crossing that line to I have become the experience? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. 
That makes sense. So let's take a look at John chapter 8. Um, I talk a lot about the woman being stoned. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great example in John chapter 8. This woman, uh, she's obviously living in a system where adultery was worthy of death um, by stoning. And so there's this story where uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, bring her to the temple gates, which at the time was the court system. Jesus is standing there, which which is a message for all another time. Uh, Jesus is standing there, and they say, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. According to the law, she should be stoned to death, but what say you? Mm-hmm. you know? And then you, mo- many people have heard me talk about how I really feel like in that moment, it was just like he pushed the pause button. He, he owned that mm-hmm. moment. He shut out the drama of the world. So, I mean, kind of picture this, ah, you know, there's people looking on. It's like, yeah, stone her, stone her. She's a prostitute, yada, yada. Now she's caught in the act of adultery. So mm-hmm. I don't know what she's wearing. Right. But it's possible she's dressed inappropriately. We, yeah. we don't really know. But the point here is, is if you get a visual of this, you have the opinion and the, the perception of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which represents the law in your mm-hmm. system. We have the, fair, the, the perception of the people, the crowd, which is just the world, their opinion, what they have to say. We then also have God's opinion, the opinion of Jesus in that moment. But the opinion we often forget is her opinion. What is she going to agree with? Okay, so when we talk about self-love, and we talk about our self-view, falling in love with ourselves. at the end of the day, it really comes down to you recognizing all the different options that you have of what you will choose to believe in a moment and making the choice of what you will believe. You are the crucial piece. You are the pivot in your life. Mm-hmm. And so in that moment, um, you know, we hear the opinion of, of the Pharisees and Sadducees. We, we hear the crowd on looking on. Then we hear the opinion of Jesus that says, I do not condemn you. Um, who are those, you know, who, where are those who condemn you? They're gone. Neither do I condemn you. You are not condemned. So I often wonder, did this woman just get up and walk away and was like, no more condemnation, mm-hmm. no more shame, no more guilt? Was she just completely, just because she was set free from the stones doesn't mean she was necessarily set free from the perception of the stones. And more importantly, the message of the stones. Mm -hmm. The message of the stones was you're worthy of death. You're, you're unclean, you're unholy, you're impure. You have no value to our system. Um, And just because Jesus says you're free from condemnation doesn't mean you're really free from Mm -hmm. condemnation. Mm Mm-hmm. So she becomes the pivot in that moment. And, and I think this very moment, and I, I, I almost feel like there's kind of a holy pause in the room. I feel like this moment is the moment that we live in on a daily basis. When in every experience, I'm hearing a message from the world. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing a message from what I'm experiencing. And then I hear this voice behind me saying, but I say you're this. In every moment, that's that superposition where we talked about, like, where you have to step into this place. And I have to choose, like, what am I going to believe right now? Right. Because that's the pivotal moment. That's the tipping point for you and I. Mm-hmm. I know we really don't know the view that she walked away yeah. with. But we can sit there and I'm just, like, hoping that, <laughs> you know, that overwhelming grace that she got to experience mm-hmm. in that moment. It, it had to create some type of change in her, whether... Mm-hmm you know, she came into a fool. Yeah. I, I feel as though it would be very difficult to believe otherwise. Cause I, I don't think you can have an encounter with Christ mm-hmm. and not have something shifted inside of you. Right now. Can it shift back? 
Yeah. I think it can. Um, if we're not intentional to guard that above all else, guard your heart. So there was a design that the system was telling her, this is who you are. This is, this is what you're worthy of. This is the def, this is how we've defined you. Um, there was a design that the world had in mind for her and there was a design that Christ had in mind for her, but she had to fall in love either way. She had to come into an agreement. You know, I'm doing that YouTube series on soul ties Mm -hmm. and it talks a lot about being one with not just people, but ideals and making vows. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, I'm wondering internally inside of her, what vow did she make? In other words, what did she choose to come into an agreement with? And so this idea of self-love is the idea of living life in that moment and saying, I'm going to choose to love my design. I'm going to choose to love my creation. I'm going to choose to agree with God. I'm going to choose to align myself with him. I'm going to choose to get up from this place. I'm going to shut out the voice of my experience. I'm going to shut out the voice of the people. I'm going to shut out the voice of my past. I'm going to shut up my own voice. And I'm going to listen to the voice of God Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be who he says I am. And that's a crucial moment. That's that tipping point. And that's really the importance of self-love. It's not saying I've got this inflated view of myself. It is saying I have an inflated view of who I'm designed to be Mm -hmm. because God can't create anything less than amazing. Right. You know? Right. So how do we, um, how do we get (laughs) to that point? How do we get to that (laughs) point? That's the, option that we're yeah, choosing on a yeah, daily yeah. basis. So um, let's let's break down these views. Let's break down the worldview, mm-hmm. religious view, God's view, and self view. Okay. Are you following along with me? And you're, I see you've got notes. I like we, we both I took notes right on here. the yeah. world's view. <laughs> so tell me your thought. You, t- you tell me what you, what you learned or what you read about the world's view. The world's view. Um, well, actually, I was a little bit like when I originally read worldview, I kind of went a different way we you know you kind of described it as pride and your self ability um this was an interesting line i don't have to be the best me i was created to be just better than everyone else just better than those around me so that's a world view right correct right um that so is a good line i must have missed that last <laughs> time when i was reviewing it was really good yeah so the world does teach you so i kind of use the crabs in a bucket right type mentality right like i don't really have to be the best me i just have to be better than everybody else right. and you talked about the comparison mm-hmm. yeah and just the manipulation the you know using everyone else put just mm-hmm. to get what you want right um i know my worldview kind of went in a opposite of opposite. pride to the to the negative, to where mm-hmm. we're not worth anything. You're, you know, just... Yes. So in the book, I talk a little bit about inferior, inferior or superior, right? So mm-hmm. we tend to, we get stuck in this place of comparison and we define ourselves compared to, and we either find ourselves inferior or superior. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like for you personally, you always kind of settled in this place of, I'm just inferior right. to all these things around me. Right, yeah. And that's what the worldview will do. It'll keep you stuck in the standards of the world of defining what is glory worthy. Mm -hmm. Like the world will tell you, well, this is glory worthy, like having this degree or having this success or having this kind of relationship or wearing these kinds of clothes or whatever it is. This is what makes you glory worthy. I mean, social media is 
a great example of that. Mm-hmm. What's a glory worthy post? Right. You know, like what kind of a post is going to get the most likes and, and all of these things. And so we get stuck in this space where the people on social media, the people decide what's popular mm-hmm. and what's not. Mm-hmm. Instead of God saying, I've already decided, I've already set a standard. I've already established a popularity of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And it's not like this world. And so we get stuck in that space and we begin to define ourselves. We begin to look at ourselves through a worldview. Mm-hmm. This worldview is so, it's just so evil. Cause I think of the way, yes. um, you know, the superior and inferior. And I was like, just looking at my life, yes, I did settle in the inferior most of the time. And I'm like, then I look at it and I'm like, but why? Because in the world's view, like, I always had the best grades. I was always top of my class. I was always great at sports. You know, I was, I was, should have been on the superior side, but I felt inferior. So there was like interesting that perception. Yeah. Despite your reality, there was no win. (laughs) (laughs) Bless your heart. All right. If you are with us this morning, give us a wave, give us a hello. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, we'd love to include you in this discussion. Uh, We don't want you to just be observers. We want you to be partakers, participate with us, talk to us. Let's shift to the religious view. Mm. Uh, mm. So it's, I think it's important. You notice that we have a religious view and God's view, and they're two different things. Mm, yeah. and, um, and I I feel like we all nod our heads and we say yes. Even I nod my head and I say yes. But more and more, the more I grow in my relationship with the Lord, the more I recognize, man, I got a lot of religious stuff in me. <laughs> and a lot of it's because I was just raised up in religion, in, mm. in multiple religions. And I say multiple as in different stages of my life, I engaged in different religions. Um, and so the religious view kind of often does teach that opposite mentality. So whereas worldview is kind of like uh, focused on self, glorifying self, exposing my own accomplishments, exposing my own gifts, I get the glory, what I, my work gets the glory versus a religious view is uh, you don't get any glory. It's almost mm-hmm. a self-abasing type mentality. Um, and I don't want to, I do, I do want to be careful here, but I also am not afraid to challenge people and their thinking. I understand that the scriptures talk about humility mm-hmm. and the importance of having, you know, lower yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Um, that pr- pride is before the fall. I understand that. But I also understand that Paul talks about boasting all the more in his weaknesses because in his greatest weakness, his power is perfected. Mm-hmm. And there was a place where he felt it was appropriate to boast in the places where he saw God's power working through his life. Yeah. Um, and so I think we miss that in, in, in religion in general. And in the name of uh, humility, we end up in some regard humiliating the work that God is doing in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I also think where's the, where's the testimony? Where's the, yeah. the proclaiming so that others can, can look at what the Lord's doing mm-hmm. and, and believe that for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think us boasting on the Lord, it just builds everyone mm-hmm. up, not just ourselves. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a place for being confident and, and confident then gives way to courage to be able to say, I'm confident in my ability to do this. And we see that with David mm-hmm. um, when he says, I'll take on Goliath, I'll fight Goliath. And, and there was the accusation, not from the enemy, but from the church, his, yeah. his brothers, his people that said, you're arrogant and you're prideful, just go home. You came mm-hmm. here to mock us. 
Um, same thing when he dances in the presence of the Lord. You know, Mikal kind of was like, oh my gosh, you, you're like arrogant, you're prideful, you're dancing in the presence of the Lord. But there was a confidence that David had in his position and in his giftings and in his ability and also a confidence that he had in his calling. Mm. So he knew, I'm called to fight the Goliaths. I'm called to be king. So for him to be, uh, uh, listen, I mean, like from a worldview or from a religious view, you might look at David continuously um, poking at the position of the kingship and telling people that he was going to be the next king when Saul was king. Mm -hmm. That feels arrogant. But he was confident in his calling. Yeah. And what part of the brothers or McCall was just, they were, they felt like there was something in them that was lacking. You know, the brothers, here this kid comes in and it's like, but I'm lacking the confidence to stand up. And I'm a soldier. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. You know, so it's. Yeah, I think that goes back to what you were saying in the beginning with how they're, the way they viewed themselves. Right. And their inability to be confident and bold in their own giftings and their own callings, therefore, that made, made them angry and bitter mm-hmm. at people around them. And we see that. We see people like, um, I think it's Joyce Meyer that says, "Don't be angry at me for doing what you weren't do, uh, getting what what I've got when you weren't willing to do the mm-hmm. work that I've done." Um, and you do see that, like when people begin to grow and they begin to. Um, bloom in their calling that people around you will say, well, they're just arrogant, they're prideful, they're this, they're that. Um, and it it can look that way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people are that way. Sure. Um, I think it goes back to, for me personally, my checkpoint is always, um, what is my motive and who gets the glory? Mm-hmm. What is my, that's my checkpoint. Like I can boast in the works that God has done and be confident in the calling, but at the end of the day, my motive is to glorify God and I want the outcome to be that God is glorified in my life. Right. And I think that's your checkpoint is saying like, what is your motive? Is my motive motive to glorify myself? You know, so mm-hmm. again, when I, just examples like, you know, when you have those, those checkpoints where you got like start a YouTube channel, start a YouTube channel, start a YouTube channel. I'm like, okay. You know, and, and you, you assume then, oh, I'm going to start this YouTube channel. And in six months, I'm going to be, explode. you know, t- yeah. I'm going to be famous and I'm going to have whatever. And so when you have that conversation with the Lord, the Lord's like, is that your motive? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was yours. (laughs) And so you have those, you know, and I'm not afraid to say, like, I have these conversations with the Lord. I'm human too, you know? Mm. Or I'm like, oh, ouch, (laughs) you know? Maybe it's somewhere along the line that did become my motive, but thank you, God, for revealing that and bringing me back to my only motive here is to serve you and to be obedient to you. And whatever mm-hmm. you decide to do with that is on you. Mm. But I'm com- that doesn't mean I'm less confident in my ability to put together, put to a really good YouTube episode right. together or a really good YouTube series together. I'm very confident in that. I'm very confident that he's called me to do that. And whatever he does with it is on him. Mm-hmm. That's it. Well, I mean, there's kind of a line there because you expect if the Lord's calling you to do something that he's going to prosper it. And absolutely, you know, that was the, yes, the point. Yes. You do feel like, yes. But if he doesn't is my, again, is my hope in the prosperity or is my hope just in the promise keeper? Right. 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 So it's, I mean, it's a touchy place, but I digress from all of that. (laughs) (laughs) So let's go into God's view. Okay. So um, Colossians 2, 6 through 10 
It goes into this big, it talks about basically being established and being rooted in the faith of Jesus Christ and not being taken captive to the hollow philosophies and the traditions of this world, to the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. And it talks about how in him we find the fullness, the the bodily fullness that we're looking for. Every single one of us is designed to walk in fullness and contentment. We don't Mm -hmm. like when we feel depletion in our life. We don't like when we feel lack. We don't like when we feel that lack of satisfaction. And so the world and religion will deceive us in saying, here's the answer to fulfillment. Here's the answer. But God's view says the answer to fulfillment is being rooted in my traditions, in my philosophies, in my principles. And you have two options here. You can get drawn and taken captive, which in that, if you read that in the Greek, it's the idea of being cheated. Mm. I'm going to be cheated because I've been taken captive. I'm held captive. I'm enslaved to this mentality, these perceptions, this moving target, because it is a moving target. Instead of saying, that's exhausting to me, it doesn't bring fulfillment, it doesn't bring satisfaction, I'm going to choose to establish myself in God, and in that place, I find satisfaction. Mm -hmm. I'm confident in who I am. Mm -hmm. And there's so much freedom there, so much freedom there. This goes back to Psalm Psalm 23, 1, where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I find he is it. He's who I follow. He's who I look to. He's the one who guides me, protects me, guards me, watches over me. He defines me. And because I'm, I'm saturated in that view, I have no want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I could tell in times in my life when I start getting pulled into the other side. God, it sucks. Yeah, you're just like striving and you're constantly like changing lanes and uh, trying to figure. It's exhausting. It's like when you're in traffic and you're like, which lane's going fastest? And you're trying to oh, constantly I love that. swerving. Yes. I think that's a great metaphor. I think that's a great metaphor. It is a moving target and you're trying to change lanes and you're trying to keep up with all the ways of the world and it is exhausting. Mm-hmm. It will wear you out. Mm-hmm. I think about um, the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings uh, chapter 18, 19, the whole story of Elijah and how it says that they called on their God morning, e- afternoon, and evening, and that they slashed themselves. Mm-hmm. And, it's, it, you know, they, and it says they wearied themselves calling on a false God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's that holy hush yeah. again. <laughs> they wearied themselves calling on a false God. All right, let me uh, digress here. We've got Crystal Anderson is with us this morning. She says, good morning. Um, Carol Emmer is with us this morning. Hello, Carol. Um, Peggy is with us. Uh, Alicia Lee is with us this morning. She says, that's good. Um, Drew Pennywell has written the word abide. I love this. So if we think about John 15, where it talks about abiding in the vine. And so he's re- when I was talking about basically I've found myself established and rooted in. That's a great connection. I love that he's brought up that passage in John 15 where I am abiding in the vine. I am staying fixed. To abide means I'm choosing to tarry and not to, not to move. Mm-hmm. I've taken up residence in this place. Um, and you have to be intentional. You can't just like plant yourself and go, okay, well, that was done. Like you have to cultivate that, that planting and right. that abiding. Um, and so let's talk about that. Let's talk about, cause you asked a really good question. 
earlier, which is like, how do I get there? Like, Mm -hmm. okay, we've talked about all the, and we're all like, yes, yes, this is a challenge. This is hard. This is difficult. How do I cultivate the establishment, my design in God? Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw that question out to you. And I want you to share with me some of the things that you have come to do on a regular basis that helps you stay in that place. Well, I think the obvious is like the, um, with the enforcing prayers, the reading the scripture, the declaring it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, really letting the Holy spirit, not just reading scripture, but just like really letting the Holy spirit say what this, what this mm-hmm. means for you. Yeah. And just, I, I don't think there's anything else more important than just reading and praying the scripture yeah. over. And I mean, that's like the way it gets in. Yeah. Yeah. I really don't have like all these other like tactics. Yeah. Um, it's crazy how simple it is. And, and so for those of you who have not gotten my book enforcing prayer or go to my, uh, YouTube channel and watch some of the enforcing prayer episodes where I demonstrate, how do I take a scripture passage? How do I declare it? And then you use the word reconcile, right? So how do I self reconcile those things by really speaking into myself, God's view of me? Mm hmm. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we're speaking over ourselves, my own view, the world's view, the experience's view, instead of I'm going to be intentional. Look, look, the the Bible says that when the kingdom of heaven is taken with force, with with force, we must take it back. When the enemy comes in like a flood, we raise up a standard against Mm -hmm. him. And the standard, God has set a standard for your design. He has set a standard for my design. Mm -hmm. And we must must war for that standard. Mm. So it's, God, you say, you say, I am confident, I am bold. Every place I set my foot, you give me that land. God, you say, you've put a shield of victory in my hand. I'm experiencing failure, but God, you say, you've put a shield of victory in my hand. And therefore, I declare and I decree, though I'm experiencing failure, I am not a failure because God, you say I am victorious. That every place I set my foot, you give me prosperity. You cause me to win. That I am more than a conqueror in Christ. That's how we begin to declare. I'm not pretending like my experience isn't real. I'm not living in la-la land, Mm -hmm. but I am living in the spirit. Mm -hmm. I guess that verse has never like made more sense now. (laughs) It just like just hit me. How many times have I heard when the enemy comes in like a flood, we raise, raise a up stand. a standard. Yes. And like, okay, now it's become yes. a reality. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're like, ding, 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 ding. Yes. This is what it means. Yes. So the enemy is the world. It's our experience. It's, it's our own feelings, our emotions. It's all, it's the message of the world, but God has a standard. That's the, but God mm-hmm. in your life, there is a standard in my life that God has established and I am going to root myself, establish myself. I'm going to abide in the standard mm-hmm. of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so we have to learn to really begin to be quick to declare those things. If I were to demonstrate that, what I just demonstrated and then take a look in the mirror and I would say, Lisa, you have just experienced failure. However, you are not a failure. God says you have a shield of victory in your hand. So I declare and I decree that you are victorious, that today, every place you set your foot, despite what you experience, you will win in the kingdom because God is with you. And if God is with you, who can stand against you? Mm -hmm. If God is for you, who can become, who can come against you? So I declare and I decree that in the spirit today, Lisa, you win. You are a winner. You are a conqueror. You are victorious. And so I'm now, I'm, I'm speaking I'm coming into an agreement. I'm loving my design. I'm falling in love with who I am. Yes, 
Lisa, God says you will write a book. You're going to write a book and it's going to be anointed. And so I declare and I decree there's anointing in your fingers. There's anointing in your heart that by holy revelation, you will bring forth a book that will impact, impress and change lives. Mm. Is that arrogant for me to say that? No, it's coming into an alignment with the promises and the, and the truth of what God says. This is what God has spoken. I'm not making up stuff to speak over myself. Yeah, and what's great is even if you don't have this solid definition of your purpose or what you're going to do, it doesn't matter because the Word of God applies to every single That's person. That's good. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good for everybody. Yeah. Every, every declaration I just made is for you. Mm-hmm. It's for everybody listening. It's for everybody watching. Those are all declarations because it's what God says to his people. Right. It's, it's how he has designed us. It's how he has created us. Yeah. Yeah. Our, so we're like, yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. Let's go to our comments online. Um, so Crystal Anderson says, I've learned that if I add in Jesus' name to anything, I think of myself. And if it doesn't line up, up, then it's not, it's wrong. It's from, not from the Lord. That's good. So can I say... You are a failure. Ugh, you're so dumb. That was stupid in Jesus' name. Mm. <laughs> Again, think about how many times you're like, ugh, where you kind of get disgusted with yourself, like something that you do. Yeah. That's not your favorite moment. You know, mm. I say that all the time, like, that wasn't my favorite <laughs> me. <laughs> that was not my finest moment. Mm. You know, but again, I'm, I, I love that. If you can, I say in Jesus' name behind everything that mm. I'm speaking in my head. Mm. And... Okay. Yeah, it's a, that's a good checkpoint. I love that, Crystal. Thank you for sharing that. Alicia Lee says she's loving the prayer books. Enforcing prayer is taking us to new levels. I'm going to have Liz put the link to the Enforcing Prayer book in the comments. If you are interested, you can get a copy of that. Um, it is the it is a part of a trilogy. Yeah. Uh, enforcing you, enforcing purpose, and enforcing prayer. However, it can also be its own standalone devotional. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, So I've had lots and lots of lots of really good testimonies about how um, it is impacting people. Lots of mamas are using it with kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, Are you using it with your kids? Yeah, Yeah, I started um, just recently. Well, I've with some of your other books that had the prayer stuff in the back of it. I have done it with my littles before. But then um, it was just been within the last month. Um, I used it at night to enforcing prayer to read to the girls and then I would have them read it back or not read it back to me but I'd say it and they would repeat it back to me and we do this whole thing and I did that one night and then the next night when I was putting them to bed Austin goes um are you gonna get are you gonna read to us are you gonna do the I need to say something I need to say something (laughs) I got something to say to myself and then and it went on for you know like a week every night they'd be like where's the book where are we gonna do this so it's it's so it's not funny but it's like amazing how they just they grab onto that and they're Mm -hmm. like this feels right this is what I need to do yes yeah I love that you said it feels right to them Mm -hmm. you know because it is suited to our design I mean I I don't think Adam and Eve were walking around uh questioning their design before the fall right you know it wasn't until the enemy came in like a flood Mm -hmm. (laughs) They did not the raise the standard, standard against him. They just gave right into the standard of the enemy mm-hmm. and questioned the standard of God. So that's a whole mm. look at look at those wheels turning. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Alicia Lee says, I'm using it for me and my children, really expanding, walking into the power of praying the word. That's so good. You have quite a few notes in there that you have taken, you took last night. Is there anything else that 
you that you feel like really impressed you or that you feel like is important for our listeners? Um, I'm just going to say this kind of like the definition of self-reconciliation. Okay. And that it's places where I'm still at odds with what God says about me. Mm. So it kind of changes it from, oh, I'm just trying to boost myself up to, no, this is like a serious thing where this is where I'm not agreeing with the Lord. And that kind of changes the tone of, yeah, that's of self-reconciliation for me. Yeah, I love that you, it really is a place where we have made a vow with something that is untrue. Um, we've made a vow with something that is not in agreement with God. So to not be in agreement with God is to sin. not be in agreement with God. And it is sin. Yes, it is sin. And so those are places where the the first thing that you would do if you're listening, where you're like, God says, I am this, and I'm really struggling to agree and to self-reconcile that. The first thing you need to do is say, God, I confess that I, I'm having a hard time agreeing with you, or I just don't agree with you. Um, but I want to. Mm -hmm. And so, God, I'm going to break my agreement with this thing, and I'm going to choose, despite what, I, despite what I want, despite what I feel, despite what I'm experiencing, despite what my, my, my mom has told me, my daddy's told me, my experiences told me, I'm going to choose to believe this. Mm -hmm. And so for those of you um, who have not read my book, Enforcing You, I go through that process really well as basically capturing what is what is happening in this moment and and how do I start with me and really owning this spot and saying, oh, I, I, I can either be a friend of the world. You know, in James, it says, if you're a friend of the world, you, you are an enemy mm -hmm. with God. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it, going back to first Kings, it says how the, the Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, how long will you waver between two mm -hmm. opinions? Mm -hmm. And so often the greatest opinion that we're wavering against God's opinion is your own opinion. And so I love that you brought that out. In love, we tell you that you need to own the thoughts that you have about who you are. Stop saying it's everybody else's reason, you know, fault, because there are, there are things that have been spoken over us. There's things that we have experienced. There's messages of the system that can explain why it's difficult for me to come into an alignment with God. But at the end of the day, it's your choice. Mm -hmm. That woman, at the end of the day, it, it would have been a sad, sad story. And we think, I, I often with kids, like younger kids, I'll compare her in John chapter 8. I will compare her to Cinderella. And I say, well, if at the end of the story, the prince comes back and he finds Cinderella in her rags, in her dirt, in her natural habitat, uh, in the midst of the opinion of the two stepsisters and the wicked stepmother and all that experience. And he says, I don't care. I don't care about what you're wearing. I don't care about what you're experiencing. I don't care about the opinion of all these things around you. I want you to be my own. This sandal, this design is fit for your foot. Mm. This is fit for your path. If at the end of the day, she said, hey, you know what? Prince, I hear what you have to say to me. I hear that you say you think I'm beautiful, that you don't care what I'm wearing. You don't care what my path has been. You don't care what my experience is. You don't care what the opinion of the world is. But, man, if you don't mind, I, I, I think I'm just going to stay here. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay stuck in my rags. I'm not going to believe. I don't believe that you love me. I'm not going to believe you. I'm going to believe because all of this is my system. This is all that I remember. This is all that I know. And he, and, and that was the end of the story of Cinderella. Ain't no kid would have watched no. that. 
Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that story. And really, that's the story we're living, where every day we wake up and God says, I have a glass slipper that is fit to you. I just got, mm-hmm. I just got hit with the Spirit. I have a glass slipper that is fit to you, and it's perfect for your path. It's going to empower you to walk on the path that I have in mind for you. And you and I are going to do this life together. And I want you to get up out of your rags. I want you to get up. I'm rescuing you from this system. I'm rescuing you from all these voices. And I want you to get up and I want you to come away with me. That is that, is that moment. Mm. We are living in that moment. Every moment of our life, you have to choose. What am I going to choose mm. to believe? Mm. Yes. Holy Spirit, my <sighs> drop. <laughs> All right, you guys. So leave us a comment in the comments. Uh, We want to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Um, If you want to re-listen today's episode, you can catch it, obviously, on Facebook Live. You can catch it while produced on my YouTube channel. If you have not watched my YouTube channel, please head in that direction. Otherwise, you can catch it on audio and re-listen to it on podcast. Mm -hmm. It'll be produced next month. So between now and next month, remember, enforcing purpose, it it starts starts with with you. you.